This is The Takeaway. I'm John Hockenberry. Thanks so much for listening. We talk a lot on this program about the more than 2 million Americans incarcerated in the U.S. prison system. Sometimes we add the tens of thousands of people in a jail somewhere awaiting a trial or a plea deal. But we almost never add the tens of thousands of detainees reportedly being held by the huge ICE agency, or Immigration and Customs Enforcement. It is now one of the largest investigative agencies in the U.S. government, with a budget of about $6 billion, over 20,000 employees, and over 400 locations nationwide. And it didn't even exist in its current form as recently as 2003, when it became part of the Department of Homeland Security. ICE has its own prison system, although they are not called prisons. It has the capacity to run more than 400,000 inmates in and out of its facilities each year. They are not called inmates. They are called detainees. A few years ago, though in the shadows, it was the largest growing prison system in the U.S. at a time when there was bipartisan support for criminal justice reform, but when the political tide had turned on immigrants without proper papers, just the kind of people held by ICE. It's an enormous complex that has both marked and unmarked offices across the country that holds approximately, I mean, it varies over the years during the Obama administration. It went up to 475,000 people in 2012. And it is not unlike the prisons governed by any regulations. Jacqueline Stevens is a professor and director of Northwestern University's Deportation Research Clinic. Her research into the forced labor at a privately run ICE facility, the Denver Contract Detention Facility, helped spark a lawsuit that has turned into a class action against the company that runs the prison, the Geo Group, one of two major private prison companies in America. The other is the Corrections Corporation of America. The stocks of those two companies shot up after Trump's victory. The people who are held in immigration custody or in custody under immigration law aren't inmates. They're called administrative detainees. Unlike inmates who are in prison um, because they've been convicted of a crime, people who are in custody under immigration laws are in custody because they're a flight risk. So there's no punishment that is supposed to be associated with their custody. And one of the problems is that the private prisons run both correctional facilities or prisons, and they maintain the ICE detention facilities. And they don't distinguish, as they should by law, the protocols for how they are handling the work programs in the prisons from how they're handling them in their administrative custody contexts. The 13th Amendment exempts from the prohibition against slavery or forced labor work as a condition of punishment. But again, people who are in ICE detention aren't being punished. And so therefore, a lot of the, you know, the kinds of orders that might be appropriate for a prison context are unlawful if they're used in immigration custody facilities. That includes everything from telling people to clean up common areas to um, forcing them to work during certain shifts if they don't sign up for the shifts, as well as paying people wages that are inconsistent with the Service Contract Act. If they were paying the minimum wage, would it still be the same kind of problem of uh, work as a condition of detention? No. So the ICE firms, the GEO in this case, makes a contract with the government. And in exchange for getting paid a certain amount of money, it has a commitment to keep the facility in a certain order and clean and serve food and do laundry and make sure the people who are held there have their hair cut and so forth. And all of that work is being performed by the people who are in their custody for a dollar a day or for no wages. And the argument that the plaintiffs are making is that, you know, this isn't a normal labor market. They don't have a choice about where they might or might not work in order to earn some funds. And so 
there are two different kinds of contexts in which they're being either forced to work or forced to work at wages that are incommensurate with the law. And uh, how many plaintiffs are we talking about here? So the potential class is up to 60,000 people. That's the estimate that the GEO warden gave during a deposition as to the number of people who had been held in the Aurora facility in the last 10 years. You know, it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars. That's just for one facility. What would be the best outcome to change the system or change conditions for detainees if this case is successful? So there's two outcomes that I have in mind um, associated with these kinds of cases. One is that it would deter the private prisons from exploiting people who are in their custody and deter them from you know, pursuing these kinds of contracts because if they can't rely on the discrepancy between the wages that should be paid legally and the wages that they're actually paying, it takes the profit incentive away from the entire system. And then related to that is the thought that if they don't have those kinds of profits, it takes away their incentive to lobby Congress to pass these kinds of mandatory detention laws. Right now, Congress has this bizarre law that requires no fewer than an average of 34,000 people each day to be in ICE custody. Um, And that's not associated with any particular law-breaking or any particular social policy. It's just a requirement to keep a certain number of people on average locked up. And that is clearly a response to the lobbying by the prison industry. Is it the case that Congress has an arbitrary minimum number of people that ICE has to detain that was negotiated in lobbying by the prison system and that 34,000 is, what, a ceiling or a floor? It's a, it's a floor. <laughs> it's a statute, and it was passed in 2010, and it requires that uh, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement um, maintain, on average, no fewer than 34,000 beds per night, and that requires them to make these contracts with the prison facilities to make those bed spaces available. You know, again, this is something that is mandated by Congress. Does ICE reimburse private prison companies for each detainee that uh, they send to a facility? Right. So there's typically the contracts have two different kinds of financial commitments. One is a minimum floor. And then in addition, they have an average reimbursement per capita of the people who are held there. Those range from 85 to $125 a night, as I recall. So $85 to $125 per night per detainee who gets paid if they're even working, a dollar a day. That, that's correct. The incentive is to overload these facilities. Right. <laughs> yes. I mean, and again, what's so perplexing about this is that it's not tied to any particular economic policy. Has the prison industry commented on this lawsuit? And uh, is there an official ICE response to uh, the class action lawsuit at this point? Well, GEO's positions are in their responses to the complaints and, you know, they claim, well, you know, we made these contracts with the government. The government does have this um, program that's called a voluntary work program and through that program, um, we believe we're authorized to pay people a dollar a day. They're claiming that under the law, they get to force people to do work and that's something that the judge said isn't obvious and this is what a jury should be deciding. Jacqueline Stevens is a professor and director of Northwestern University's Deportation Research Clinic. She spoke to us from Chicago. Jacqueline, thank you so much. No, thanks for covering this. We did hear from ICE and from the GEO Group. Jennifer Elzia, acting press secretary of ICE, said ICE cannot comment on this matter due to pending litigation. But from Pablo Pais, vice president of corporate relations at GEO, 
We have consistently strongly refuted these allegations. We intend to continue vigorously defending our company against these claims. The volunteer work program at immigration facilities, as well as the wage rates and standards associated with the program, are set by the federal government, Mr. Pais says. Our facilities, including the Aurora, Colorado facility, are highly rated and provide high-quality services in safe, secure, and humane residential environments pursuant to the federal government's national standards. We here at The Takeaway will be following the growth of ICE and its encounters with the justice system closely in the coming days and weeks. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex of bugs. (laughs) Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get your podcasts.